Welcome back, everybody. So I wanted to talk about the guardian ad litium and go into what to kind of expect, whether it be a true guardian ad litium, if you're getting somebody disappointed from the court to look into your case, maybe you have even potentially DCS. And I am going to post a blog on my website about what to expect with the guardian ad litium, just because I did a lot of online searching when I found out we were going to have one on our case to really what to expect, who were they, what did they do, um, and how to act and behave and just the overall the standard stuff. I mean, you want to know what you're about to go through. And I don't know that I found one specific source that helped me with this information. Got a lot of bits and pieces from a lot of different places. This would have been something that I loved to have. I mean, even now, if I had another one, I would love to look back at this resource to remember. And so what is a guardian ad litium? Guardian ad litium, um, and I completely apologize. I guess I should say it in the beginning if I'm butchering how it's said, because once again, I completely did it on online searches, writing an email from the lawyer, like it, nothing ever once said out loud about it. But this individual is somebody appointed on from the court on behalf of your child. So this is a court appointed individual who's going to represent your kid. They're going to go through and do a lot of different searching and we'll say investigating for lack of really a better word with it. But they're, what their intention is, is to find out not necessarily everything that's going on, but to try and get a better picture about what's happening. Because as you can imagine in any sort of custody case, it doesn't even have to be a divorce, but any custody case, you have two individuals, maybe more depending upon how many people are party to the situation that are very passionate about what's going on. And so they, most children who have a guardian ad litium are not of age or you can even have them on adults. I guess I should add that. They're just not in the space and mindset where they can represent themselves in a court of law. And so this individual is going to be appointed to be their voice, to be not necessarily their eyes, but they're going to see things from the conversations that they're going to have. So our guardian ad litium came in and had private conversations with my son's father, with myself, had phone interviews with my parents, um, with his mother, my son's father's mother, um, but also had in-person sessions with her. They talked to people at the school, but then they also met one-on-one -on -one with the child. So my experience with the guardian, to be honest, was not a great one. Um, I was the first person that she met with. We, we talked one time in person. It was, I want to say it was honestly less than 30 minutes. Um, her just asking me what, what I've experienced going through the separation, how I feel my child is doing, um, things that I had issues with, things that I had concerned, what I was hoping for to see with the future, um, and then went and had the same kind of discussions with my son's father. Then, then she went and met one-on-one -on -one with my son at his school, so out of kind of a neutral territory, out of our house, out of his father's place, um, just somewhere where he wasn't tied one way or another, which I think is absolutely wonderful. Um, 
she actually may have met with my son twice during this experience, but every month that you have your guardian, they have to send a statement to say what they've been doing with the time because you have to pay for them. Um, even if they're appointed from the court, they, you are absolutely paying for their time. And so there's fees that you have to pay up front, but then based upon that money kind of goes into a pot, kind of like a lawyer. And so they'll take out of that reserve. And so they'll send you a statement to say, hey, this is what I've been doing and what this money is going towards. And then if you owe anything additional, they'll have it in there that you have to pay. And so every month they gave pretty good detail about who they were visiting with, how long were they in person? Was it a phone call? Was it emails? And my experience where it became horrible was I was getting these monthly statements and seeing that she's not contacting me but she is having constant conversations with my son's father's mother. So my son's grandmother, um, his paternal grandmother, they were emailing, they were meeting in person. The mom was providing documentation. And for me, in our situation, in our separation, his mom really needed to be no part. This was between myself and my ex-husband. It, it was our you know, life that we were going through. She wasn't that included before. So why suddenly is she driving everything? So I reach out to my lawyers to try and understand like, what the heck? And so they our my lawyer reached out to her office to try and understand why the paternal grandmother was having so much interaction and she was not reaching out to anybody else. Literally 100% of her time after the very first conversation with myself, my ex-husband, and um, our son was spent with grandmother. All of her time. Like I spent, oh, golly, uh, almost $2,000 yeah, let's let's be honest, almost $2,000 to which only 30 minutes of that was with me. Th 30 minutes, that's it. The rest of it was with grandmother. And so um, I guess I should add, no, I do like literally boom, light bulb just went off in my head. Um, she did have a phone conversation with my mother, not my father. She left a voicemail for my father. My father called her back. She never returned his call, but talked to my mother for less than 10 minutes. Um, and so everything was with grandmother. Um, when it finally came time for her to provide her insights and her beliefs and how she believes things should go with custody, they write it up and they turn it into the courts. Now, even though you're paying all of this money and everything, you are not allowed as an individual, you are not allowed to get a copy of that report. You may read it, but you may not physically have a printed copy to keep with you. It's absolutely not something that you're allowed. That piece, I still don't fully understand why. Um, in all of my research, I could not find why that reasoning was because they are ruling on behalf. It's not really a ruling, but they're giving their their beliefs or their recommendation, but you can't keep that. That's confusing to me. So I got the phone call from my lawyer to come into their office where I could read it. Was not allowed to leave this conference room. The copy had to stay there. I was not allowed to have my cell phone out. Very, very strict to the rules. Cannot have a copy of this of any way, shape, or form. So I went in reading this and I remember it all just going fuzzy because you're reading quite a few pages. I mean, it's not crazy long. I honestly don't remember how many pages it was, but 
I got so emotional because this guardian had in her write-up that my son's father, while he didn't know the name of my son's doctor, had never been to an appointment, had never been to personal things with school, was just not involved. And she recognized that. She wrote and agreed that father is not partaking in those things. And father admitted he's not partaking in those things and has not a clue that she believes that he needs additional time to ramp up to being a father. Pause, think, calculate, folks. This is 2017. My son was born in 2011. I think we did this math before, but he at this point was six years old. Six years old. My husband and I, at, or ex-husband and I at this point, had only been separated for less than a year. He has had five years five years to be a father but this guardian believe it believed he needed more time excuse me where was my rant period where was my rant period on learning to be a mother and getting this you know free pass of oh i don't have to be involved in order to do anything but guess what you still get to be an active mom like how why my mind was blown like what and then there's other things in this write-up where the grandmother had provided, I guess, a binder <laughs> of information to show that I was a great mother, I was a good mother, I was there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that I was moving on to a new relationship and forcing my child to be part of it. She, His mother had pulled posts of mine from Facebook talking about BD and I and our happy little, you know, co-combined family and how it was damaging and detrimental to my child. And so his mom really tried to spin it that he, him, his dad should have the custody and I should not. Well, guardian, thank goodness, the one decent thing that they did in the whole ruling and their whole recommendation is saying that no it, it should not go to the father full-time because you know he's not even actively being a dad but it should stay 50 50 that they believe it is for the best for the child for it to be 50 50 and 50 50 truly meant true 50 50 i get half of the year he gets half of the year so when when you look at it and everything, it's, you know, <laughs> he got as much time as I got, regardless of what the child had to say, regardless of the father's lack of interaction with his life or anything. He deserved to have that time. And they believed it was in the best interest of the child. And so we, we went to mediation and in mediation, which I believe we went over in an episode previous, but in that mediation, it came down to my son's father had that as his scapegoat, something he could fall back on that regardless of me saying, you have not been involved, I don't believe it's in our son's best interest, and you know it, I know it, he was able to say, nope, we're going to do that because this is what the guardian believed believes is in the best interest of the child. And so I had to. I had to say 50-50. And I had no leg to stand on 
that without going in front of a judge and trying to fight it without a judge, but then the judge would still have that right up to say, hey, guess what? We believe it's in his best. So I had to stop, stop that fighting and arguing. And as, as the advice was given to me, I have to stop picking up the pieces for my ex, for my son's father. I had to allow him to step up or step out. To this point, I I had been handling everything, all the appointments, all the everything, getting him to and from school, making sure that he had food to eat, making sure his schoolwork was done on every single day, not just my days. And I was told, stop doing that. You want him to fall, let him fall. And for me, that's for any parent. It can't can't just be me. That's hard to do. That's a hard pill to swallow. That is a horse pill times 20 that you're trying to swallow of how do you, in essence, allow your child to almost fail. I mean, by me not picking up the pieces on his time, his father's time, I was going to allow my child to go through extreme pain and burden, you know? There's a potential he wouldn't have school lunches packed. Maybe he wasn't going to have clean laundry. Maybe he was going to be late. Maybe he was going to have to get up crazy early. Maybe schoolwork wasn't going to get completed. I had all of these things that I was going to have to deal with saying, okay, it's fine and acceptable. (laughs) And I was not okay with that. My, my heart was broken. Like, no, I can't. I can't allow my son to go through this anymore. I left so that we didn't have to go through this. I left so that we didn't have to be burdened with this weight that was tying us down. But I was sitting there with a choice. Continue to be miserable with my ex and my son be miserable with my ex. Whether it be separated or not, but me doing everything or making it where he really has to pull his own weight. And I chose that decision. I ultimately chose that decision. Now, I mean, glimpse into the future, I definitely didn't keep with it 100% with me not picking up everything. I mean, to this day, years later, I still pick up a lot of the pieces. I still do a lot of the stuff, 99% of everything. It's something that you have to ultimately make that decision if you're ever faced with it to take it all on or to make them step up and own it. I had been I had been maintaining it and handling it all for so long that it's hard for me to just let go. It's hard for me to put my son in any sort of negative position just because his father's not stepping up. And I mean it's just something you have to go through, something that you have to make that personal decision. There is nobody else who can make that for you. So huge piece of advice, do not listen to others. Do not, because they're not living your life. They may be living off of the details that your life provides and maybe even essence the drama that your life provides, but they're not making those decisions for you. They're not going to be the ones picking your kid up. They're not going to be the one paying the school fees late. They're not going to be the one um, getting calls that your kid doesn't have food. I mean, those are not things that anybody else is going to have to deal with but yourself. I was bad. I listened to a lot of other people. I mean, I let a lot of influencers into my life. I absolutely did. And I felt prey to that, fell prey to that. And that's nobody's fault but my own. But 
looking back on the guardian situation, I would never have done it if I had known. But, but, I'll give the huge but, pause, hold it for a moment. If I had to go through it again, I would do it differently. I, I played the nice card when I met her the first time. Meaning... I talked about the positivity and everything that I wanted because I truly did want if his dad stepped up, I wanted us to be able to co-parent and give the best life to our son. But I didn't list out all of my concerns. I didn't lay out the, the fields of evidence that his mother did on his behalf. I played the politically correct person. And when you're going through a situation like that, You can't be. Now, there is a difference between being politically correct and being a callous bitch. Let's just be honest. You can point out the facts without being a conniver, without without trying to go for the jugular. It's about being eloquent and pointing out the truth and the facts and not guiding them with the misconception of your feelings. It has to be black and white because truly your feelings in that moment do not matter. How I feel inside does not matter for the well-being of my child. It is what is going on in that situation. So don't cross those lines. Don't ever cross those lines because it doesn't look good on you. It doesn't help the positive future of your child or whoever that guardian is representing. Even if you don't have a guardian, in, you cannot confuse your feelings with the facts because they are very, very, very different. After all of this with the guardian, and we still talk about it to this day, um, my family or anybody who knows about the guardian and our experience through it, we truly believe that there's a potential that she received some sort of payment. And I hate to say that, but it is mind-blowing to me that somebody can represent a child and say that they are unbiased, but then be able to write up that the father has zero involvement in the child's life and put that the child has very strong emotions opposing going to the father's house, but yet write up that they believe it's in the child's best interest to be with them 50-50, which was more time than they were having at this point in time. And so I, I don't understand. For me, the math doesn't add up. For me, the puzzle pieces don't fit. Um, the key's not turning, the engine's not cranking, like it just, it does not add up. It does not add up, but it was the hand that we were dealt. It was the cards we were given and we had to play with it. We had to go from there. (laughs) Guardian is definitely a, a very strong topic that I have because it, it was the downward spiral of our divorce. It was the kind of final stepping piece that we had no choice after that. It did help us conclude the divorce, but it just left a very bitter and sour taste in my mouth. It left me with more sadness than anything, like I was just having to cave and fold to this man. Put myself and my child through something that I didn't want either of us to go through anymore. Did not want either of us to go through anymore. But it was reality. It was what, it was what we were dealt those times and everything with the guardian and the divorce left me so emotional. I mean, just imagine, in essence, fighting for your life, but you're fighting for your kid's life. And 
it's hard. I mean, it takes every ounce of everything from you. Sitting and waiting, sitting and waiting, sitting and waiting. And then wait some more. I'm glad it's over. That that part of it. <laughs> I guess I should definitely say that that part of it. I'm glad that that part of it is over. But my custody fights are far from over. As of October 15th, 2017, when our divorce was finalized. Our worries and concerns were far from over. Until next time, this is The Working Housewife.